The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. If you hear any construction or someone drilling uh, into the side of my apartment, uh, don't fret, and I'm sorry, but I can't control it. Um, but we do have a lot to talk about today, so really excited for this podcast episode. Uh, the Titans just made their cut down uh, on the roster to 53 players, so we're definitely going to do a deep dive into that. Uh, but before that, if we're going to go into chronological order, uh, before after the last podcast episode, the Titans played their final preseason game. Uh, they ended up squeaking out, squeaking out a win against the Arizona Cardinals, 26-23. Malik Willis got another start, uh, played most of the game until the end where Logan Woodside came in um, and had a pretty emphatic, emotional touchdown run. Uh, which I, I was particularly happy for for him because it seemed like a really frustrating offseason uh, for him. But it was good for the Titans to, to come away with a win, even though uh, most of the starters didn't play on the Cardinal side. Some of the Titans starters did play. Um, we saw Robert Woods get some playing time. Traylon Burks scored a touchdown. Um, so overall, it was a it, it was a good, good, good way to finish off. Uh, the preseason for the Titans. Uh, was there anything that stood out most to you in this game, Will? Uh, it's I, I guess it didn't stand out in a strange way, uh, other than than it's just weird to see him play so much. But to see Rashad Weaver still playing like so far into the because th- they can't play Bud Dupree and Harold Landry, so I get that they kind of have to play him and you know Ola Daney's in and out, and they had. Uh, David and any who got cut, but you would think that they would find other people to play. And I don't know if that's just a, you know, they want him to get as many reps as possible because they want him to be as refined and ready because he's only going to get 15 snaps a game during the regular season because of the guys in front of him. But Weaver's played great. Like each week, I feel like we've talked about how Weaver was the bright spot on a, a defense with some good players out there most of the time. And I, it was just a little bit frustrating because I want him to get time, but then I also can't figure out where exactly I'd put him. So uh, that that was a little strange to me. But other than that, no. I mean, it, it was good to see Malik Willis have probably his best preseason game. And you know, it was good to see Robert Woods out there. That that was cool for, you know, a couple of plays. So everything was good. And the fact that there wasn't anything big to take away from it just means that there wasn't like a bad injury. So uh, all things went well. 
Uh, yeah, I agree about Weber. It has been kind of weird to see him play so much, I guess, because of the injury uh, last year. They want him to get as many reps as possible. But as we're going to talk about a little later on, um, the edge group is like kind of thin. I mean, he he's their third edge. Like he is the direct backup edge uh, to Bud Dupree and Harold Landry. So if anything would have happened to him, the Titans are kind of not screwed, but their depth at edge would be um, – not great because they have Ola Daney and they just cut David Adeni, who was playing well. Uh, I'm sure they'll try to get him on the practice squad, um, but I don't know if they'll be able to. Uh, in terms of Malik Willis, uh, I thought it was very easily his best game. He looked so confident, so much more calm, was actually getting the ball out in a decent amount of time, finding his receivers, um, and really only taking off to run when he really needed to. Um, and it ended up with uh, the longest gain of the preseason uh, for sure. I don't remember how many yards it was, but he just took off uh, running and he looked electric. I really liked what I saw from him. Uh, I, I think he improved pretty much in every game. Like the improvement from game one to game two wasn't too much. Uh, he looked a little more um, sure of himself, but the leap from one to three uh, has been pretty big, in my opinion, and I'm really excited uh, about his future. I did see a lot of people on Twitter, uh, not only Titans fans, some like national media members who aren't um, really in tune with the Titans, saying that they think Malik Willis is going to start several games for the Titans this year um, at the expense of Ryan Tannehill, or maybe because the Titans might be so bad that they have to start Malik Willis in some games to see what they have in him. I think that's insane. I, I think we've all maybe jumped the gun a little bit, but uh, I, I definitely am um, intrigued by Malik Willis's talent, his skill set, um, and his continued improvement that we saw in the preseason. So I, I think the Titans are, are pretty set at quarterback, um, at least for the next couple of years. Yeah, like we don't, you know, we can we can talk about how dumb the idea of Malik Willis is until we're blue in the face. It's just some people just aren't going to watch uh, the Titans closely enough to, to see that that's not going to happen. But that, the hard thing is trying to argue that while also trying to be fair to Malik Willis, because like you said, he's grown like he's it, he obviously is still not seeing the full field. And they had some they had a, a couple of weird uh it looked like they were calling a ton of screens in the third preseason game, like more than like way more, maybe like six or seven. Um, and there were times where there'd be a screen call and he would just sprint the other way. And I don't know if that's a design thing to pull people towards him. So he, it's, you know, okay, you have one read here. If the defense flows to you and this guy and open, you know, throw it back for a screen. I don't, I don't know what that's all about. But they did that a few times, and that was weird to see. Um, but for the most part, like, you know, the the pass to Traylon Burks in the first play was way too high. It was like five yards above Traylon Burks' head, it looked like. But he went up and got it because Burks is good. And then, you know, he had a connection with Woods. And, uh, you know, they, they, Traylon Burks scored a touchdown, like, on, on, on a pretty well-thrown pass to Willis. Like, so – you saw the things that you didn't see in other games and it didn't, you know, in the second game, it felt like the first throw that glance route that they threw was so clearly you're holding on to the ball too long to get people to stop saying that to you. We're going to have you throw directly here. 
no matter if anybody's open or not, you're going to throw to this spot and Nick Westbrook, Akina, it's your job to get to that spot by the time he throws it. Like, and they did that and then they didn't do anything else and they punted or, or they turned the ball over or something. It was, it was, it was fine, but you know, that, that was clearly the point of emphasis on the first drive and the second game, the third game, it seemed more like, okay, let's go out and try to do a couple of things and then see what works. And we'll kind of uh, go from there. So there, there was some good and some bad, and uh, there's going to be some of that, but you still got to see, you know, the stepping up in the pocket and stepping to run inside the pocket instead of stepping around the tackles and basically running directly into pressure, which is something that he had trouble with early in the preseason. So, you know, it's impossible to get a good feel for uh, the rookie quarterbacks when just historically, when you don't have the starting offensive line in and you don't have the starting weapons in, like if you put him in there with the starting offensive line and Derrick Henry and all the starting weapons, I'm sure he would look better than he looked, but he would also have to go against, you know, Aaron Donald and TJ Watt. You know, it's like if you put him in those situations, I, you know, he's not outrunning TJ Watt to the edge. Like he's not getting out of an Aaron Donald, like sag. Like, he's not breaking that tackle. So it goes a little bit both ways, but you know, next year, you know, see, see where these guys end up, end up and make your decision, but you've got options now. Like you're not pigeonholing anything because Malik Willis does look like he's going to be an NFL quarterback. Now it's just how good is he going to be and how much of the offense can you tailor to him before you have to seriously overhaul the entire thing. Yeah, I think you likened him to Jake Locker um, at this point um, in his development. I, I think that's kind of what you were getting at. And I do think that that's kind of where he is right now, where he's still a little bit uh, inaccurate and he does miss um, some pretty easy reads. Um, but he's so athletic and really do a lot for you with his mobility. And he has that arm talent that's just incredible. But I would say that he makes throws that Jake Locker simply couldn't make. Like some of these, some of these like arm platforms that he that he throws from are incredible. Like, I mean, we haven't really seen that um, from many Titans quarterbacks uh, in the past. So, yeah, it, it, it's just definitely exciting, um, and I look forward to to continuing to see how he develops. Um, as for other stuff that happened in this game, there really wasn't too many notable things. The only other thing I'd say is. Randy Bullock has looked awesome, man. I know we don't talk about kickers a lot, but he has kind of put me at ease. I've never been a huge fan of his, um, but he was solid last year and just looked great in the preseason, looked great in this game too. Uh, hit a 51-yarder, I believe it was. So good for him, uh, uh, good for the Titans, because it's important to nail down those specialist positions. Um, and as we're going to talk about in uh, the roster cut down. Um, they also have a very exciting punter uh, that we saw a little bit of uh, in this last preseason game as well. So we're going to take a quick ad break here, um, and then we're going to come back and talk about the roster cuts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Welcome back in to No Nonsense, the Tennessee Times podcast. Now that we're past preseason, uh, today on Tuesday, assuming I get this podcast out on Tuesday night, uh, the Titans have already cut their roster down to 53 players, and I'm just going to list off the players that got cut today. Um, I think a couple of them might have gotten cut. I don't know, actually. Uh, officially, these are the players that were cut uh, today. Logan Woodside, Des Fitzpatrick, Mason Kinsey, Reggie Roberson, Lorel Murchison, Chris Jackson, Theo Jackson, Trenton Cannon, Cody Hollister, Brett Kern, Joe Jones, Greg Mabin, Xavier Newman, Jordan Roos, Andrew Rupchick, Christian Delaro, Thomas Odukoya, David Wells, Sam, I can't say his last name, Akuyinonu, that nailed it. Jordan Peavy, Jack Evans, David Anenny, Trace Swilling, Adrian Colbert, Tyree Gillespie, Hayden Howerton, Jayla McKenzie, Willie Wright, and Tommy Hudson was waived injured. That was a lot to process. So, Will, I want you to tell me who was for you uh, the most surprising cut or various cuts uh, from this roster cut down. Yeah, David Anini was weird to me because I don't know what more he could have done. Like, he was fantastic. I think he had, like, a strip sack in every game that he was in during the preseason. Like, and at least contributed to a sack or, was, you know, had half a sack. He was great. Like, I, I'm I'm very surprised he didn't make it. Um, It, it was also strange to see uh, Trey Avery make it just because I never – watched him and said man that was a really good play like Greg Mabin at least had you know I think he played I'm 99.9% sure he was on uh the roster when they played the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season last year and beat them like 27 to 3 and like shut out Mahomes and uh the only time they put up points is when they put uh Chad Henney in at quarterback after they took Mahomes out like uh how much of that was on the front, I don't know. But he, at, at the very least, was good enough not to get killed behind, you know, not to give any easy opportunities up to Patrick Mahomes, which is something most corners can't do. So that, that was that was slightly surprising. Um, it was good to see Kalou make it, just because I, I think I think Kalou's very much the safety version of Will Compton, where you know if you have to put him in a game as long as you're not expecting too much, you'll be pleasantly surprised and they give you stuff on special teams and they just seem to have a lot of energy. Like, you know, but both of those guys just stand out in that way. Um, other than that, like just, just big picture roster composition stuff. I don't remember the last time I saw this, I saw this many rookies in a class make it to the 53 man roster. Like, I think there's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There's eleven uh, rookies on the roster right now, which is uh, pretty crazy. Like, and Theo Jackson had a chance to make it. I was honestly a little surprised he didn't. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I mean, I think if they don't pick up Lonnie Johnson, who who looked really good and who you know wasn't hurt and that's that's what hurt theo jackson is he just he missed he played a good game one missed game two and all the joint practices and then came back week three and just 
couldn't really do enough to pull himself away from the pack. Um, but yeah, I mean, Nicholas Petit Frere looks like he's starting. Kyle Phillips and Traylon Burks will start, whether they're technically starters or whether they just play a lot in key moments. That's up to the coaches and what personnel they use. Um, Chigakonkwo will play a lot. You know, Malik Willis was always a guy who was going to sit on the bench this year, but I think him pushing out Woodside is uh, enough to say that he's exceeded expectations. Haskins looked good as a receiving back who can also run really physical. I mean, he's a physical runner by nature, but he showed that he could, you know, go out there and catch difficult passes and do it on the sideline and do it full speed and make plays. They kept Chestnut as an undrafted free agent, which was, that was surprising to me because it was the fifth, you know, if you include Torrey Carter as a running back, quote unquote, that would be Chestnut would have been their fifth running back, which is, a lot of running – I mean, to have as many running backs as you have wide receivers is weird. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's probably the main takeaway is how young this roster has gotten quickly. Yeah, I don't think there were too many surprising cuts. I guess Kern would be, like, the biggest one for a casual fan. But as Titans fans who have seen Ryan Stonehouse uh, punt this preseason, it, they just they kind of had to do it. He was just too good. He has a cannon for a leg and was even pinning um, teams within the 20s, uh, which a lot of these punters with huge legs um, tend not to do. They're not as refined as someone like Brett Kern. And I don't think Stonehouse is as refined yet, uh, but I definitely think he has the talent to be. Uh, so it wasn't necessarily surprising to see Kern uh, get cut. I'm sure he's going to find a team real quick. I think he's already talked to uh, the Buffalo Bills. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him sign on very quickly. Um, I was, I guess, a little surprised about Theo Jackson. But after reading some uh, tweets from some Titans analysts that, that I respect, it, it, it turns out that he really wasn't uh, doing all that well and, and didn't play particularly well in the Cardinals game. I don't really... Remember, I didn't watch it too in depth, but I thought he was doing fine, at least in the first two games. Um, so that was not surprising, but I kind of did think he was going to make the team, at least over someone like A.J. Moore. Um, but yeah, like you said, Lonnie Johnson coming in, playing well. Uh, Kalu coming in and immediately playing well. Plus, he's familiar with the team um, and is such a good special teams player. Um, I guess the writing was kind of on the wall for Theo Jackson. Uh, then Des Fitzpatrick getting cut, not surprising, really. Uh, he just he just has not done anything to warrant a, a roster spot, unfortunately. That definitely seems like John Robinson, one of John Robinson's worst picks, obviously after Isaiah Wilson. Um, but I don't want to mention that guy's name too much. Um, but yeah, really not too many other surprising uh, cuts. Uh, so... What, what I want to do now is, is kind of go through all of the Titans position groups, um, name off the players that are in each position group, position group, um, and we could kind of talk through whether we're confident in it and whether you think they might add someone else. So let's start off with quarterback. There they have Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis. Uh, not too much of a surprise that they're keeping two after Malik Willis's preseason. I think, obviously, uh, before the preseason started, we would have said uh, that Logan Woodside was going to be ahead of Malik Willis and that he was uh, going to be on the roster. But 
man, Woodside looked rough in the preseason. Willis looked um, good. So it, it kind of made sense for the Titans to just keep two. Yeah, I mean that that's that's the position where one you know one player really seemed to matter because it told you what they thought about Malik Willis. So I'm not I'm not surprised that they kept two, but it's a positive development, and I, I don't see any reason for them to add anybody there. On to running back, they have five if you include Tory Carter who's a fullback uh they have Derrick Henry Dontrell Hilliard Hassan Haskins Julius Chestnut and Tory Carter uh you talked a little bit about Chestnut yeah uh that surprised me I know everyone was really excited about his preseason I thought it was okay like people are acting like he was incredible I mean he averaged four yards a carry I know it's preseason and he's playing against not great offensive lineman, and he, he had a couple of big runs. Um, but I don't know. I, I thought he was just fine, and he also did lose a fumble uh, in the first game, although it did bounce back well from that. But I don't. I even saw someone say that he's an elite athlete. He ran like a four six one forty yard dash. His speed and burst scores weren't necessarily impressive. So I don't know. This was a little surprising to me. I, I don't know that the Titans really need to keep that many running backs unless Derrick Henry is, is slow to recover from uh, his injury. But by all accounts, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, yeah. What, what do you think? What, what do you think about, do you think they're going to end up with four running backs for the, for the whole season or this, is this maybe like a Makai Sargent uh, type of situation? Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. The they kind of do this a lot, like Makai Sargent, and then they did it with uh, Dalen Dawkins uh, a few years ago too, where it's like you have him on the roster week one, and then basically it seems like they want to have a running back on the practice squad who's familiar with the team, and then by keeping him on the roster now, other teams claim everybody, you know, on Tuesday or on Wednesday, so there'll be a big flurry of claims and everybody, everybody will say, you know, okay, I'm comfortable with this. And then the Titans can claim who they want and then cut uh, chestnut who might have gotten claimed, but who probably won't get claimed if there's other people on, on the waiver wire that can be picked up. So it, that, that seems like his destiny to me. Like I, I don't see anything about him that says NFL player. Like, y- you know, I, I don't, I like, we've seen so many different running backs come through and look better than he has. And that's not anything bad against him. It's just, it's really easy to look good in the preseason. You know, if you're a running back, like if you can break one tackle, like Darrington Evans, I, I mean, I think he played like 10 snaps in the preseason and he looked good enough to where everybody was like, yeah, if he can just get healthy, like, you know, he can be a player. So it, it's easy to look the part before everybody gets up to speed and gets used to full tackling and all that. So I don't I don't see a future for Chestnut. Yeah, and I think some of these other guys that we're going to talk about um, within the next couple of minutes, like, I don't think they're even going to stick on a team. I, I, I think the times are really going to churn the bottom of that roster um, because there's going to be moves to be made, especially when you consider some of these players that they kept, which were kind of surprises. Um, but anyway, let's move on to receivers. They kept five here. Robert Woods, Nick Westbrook-Akine, Traylon Burks, Racy McMath, and Kyle Phillips. Um, 
Will, as you pointed out to me before the podcast, Racy McMath appears that he's going to be placed on IR, which would have him out for four weeks. That's per a report from Terry McCormick. So the Titans essentially have four receivers to, to open the season. Um, they're going to make a move here, right? I cannot imagine a world where where they don't like so there's you can look at the uh i'm kind of all over the place here because there's a couple of different points that i want to hit you can look at the running backs and say okay you can make this work in your head because you've got Derek henry's your starter dontrell hilliard as your third down back haskins can be your backup for both of those guys and Chestnut can be a scratch, and Torrey Carter can be a tight end and a wide receiver. And we'll get to tight end in a second. But they they kind of go hand in hand. So I'm just going to go ahead and touch on tight end because it, you could argue that, okay, if the Titans had kept four tight ends, that then they would be up to nine quote-unquote pass catchers who could all be active – on on game day and who could give you some versatility like Austin Hooper and Chig can both line up in the slot like they've done it in the pet like I'm not sure how much Chig lined up in the slot at Maryland but I know he played a lot of wing and like offset tight end and stuff so he can move around uh Hooper in his Pro Bowl years played 50 percent of his snaps off the line of scrimmage and 50 percent in line so you know that he's as, as versatile as it gets, even though he's not necessarily a dynamic athlete. So you can say, okay, they're kind of wide receivers, you know, if you, if you want to squint and look at it that way. But they're thin at both places, and that was before McMath got put on IR. So now you've got eight pass catchers, or sorry, you've got uh, seven pass catchers if you put McMath on IR. And even for the Titans, that's just not enough. So I don't know in what world they're not adding somebody, it wouldn't surprise me if they added two people, it, you know, especially if they added one tight end and one wide receiver, just because, I mean, it, I, I don't, I don't understand how they can, unless they're just like, we're going to have everybody active and that's just how we're going to roll the dice. But I think they felt comfortable that their guys would have clear, you know, the Hollisters and the, uh, Mason Kinsey's and they they thought those guys were going to clear the waiver wire and end up on the practice squad if they wanted them, which is probably true. So they didn't see the need to keep any of those guys, but they're going to be hitting the waiver wire pretty hard. But I don't like why don't you make a trade for a wide receiver with one of these wide receivers that's rumored to be like on the train block or who, you know, some of them they got cut today because it's going to be really hard for you know, a good wide receiver, even a good wide receiver four or five type to make it all the way down to where the Titans are in the waiver order. So I, I don't I don't really understand the strategy here, except like you said, where there's there's something else in play. We just hadn't seen it yet or we haven't seen it yet. So that that's that's all I can think. So the short answer to your question is, yes, something has to be in the mix. But the long answer is if there's not something in the mix, I just don't understand how they can field a team with the with that little uh, number of pass catchers it just doesn't make sense to me i mean if they do if, if they don't make moves then we might be seeing like a 1950s type of offense because they might just give derrick henry the ball 300 times and then they give 
you know, Haskins and Chestnut like a bunch of other carries because they're power backs. And maybe they just don't want to throw the ball. Like, maybe that might be a possibility, but I don't think that would be the correct um, way to attack it. But if they don't make a move at receiver, like, that's the only that's the only plausible exp- explanation in my mind. Um, I do think it's good news on Traylon Burks that they're only keeping uh, five receivers for the moment, four if McMath goes on IR. Um, I think it's a good vote of confidence for him. Um, and I think we can all kind of start stop panicking about him um even though we did after that touchdown in the last game so moving on to tight ends uh they're keeping three here uh austin hooper jeff swain chuga conquo don't really think there's anything more to talk about there no they're, they're, that's a, that's a good top three like if, if swain is your third best tight end you're probably in a good spot you know uh, he, he's never going to be great He's probably never even going to be good, but he was serviceable in 2020. And people tend to forget that because he didn't get anywhere near like where he should have been last year if he was supposed to be the tight end one. But if he's your tight end three, that that's fine. Like you can you can figure that out a little bit. But yeah, I I like Chig a lot. I think he kind of got the raw end of the deal. And we talk about Burks and Phillips not getting enough targets, but all the Chig's targets in the preseason were catch this and you're ready to die. Like, I mean, it was just, I, I hope you're not afraid of linebackers because, you know, whether it was and, Woodside and the or touchdown, Willis. The touchdown he caught was at like 100 miles an hour on yeah. the pass from Willis. He almost yeah. took his head off. It's just like, it's like here, you're going to get no touch. You're going to get a lot of like, interme- like he, I think he was one of the only targets in the intermediate part of the field. Like, him and that one Traylon Burks touchdown, like, and then there was some stuff he did like out of the pocket. Like he did a lot of good stuff, but it just, it doesn't show up on tape because uh, it's hard. If you're not in sync with the offense and you're not hitting guys in stride, it's hard to get a tight end yards after catch because you throw it to them. And if you're late, they've kind of already stopped their feet and they're trying to outrun linebackers and safeties flat-footed and that's just really hard for tight ends to do so I I think he'll do a lot more in the regular season so I'm looking forward to that but I I think this group's really good yeah I love the way Chig moves he's just so smooth in all of his movements I think he's going to be a really nice um, addition to the offense Uh, moving on we have the interior offensive line no surprises here Ben Jones and Corey Levin are listed as the centers then at guard we have Aaron Brewer Nate Davis and Jamarco Jones Will you're obviously super excited about Corey Levin making the team yeah he's good like good you know it's weird to see Daniel Munyer on the field and nobody lose their mind because the difference between Corey Levin and Daniel Munyer is a grand Canyon sized chasm. And the only reason why we didn't talk about Corey Levin at all this preseason is because he was never the guy getting beaten for a sack or anything like that. Like uh, I, it sucks that Munyer got hurt, but it's better for everybody else that there's a different center there. Yeah, Corey Levin's just solid. Honestly, he could probably be the starting left guard if they actually wanted to make him he that. Probably, yeah. He, yeah. Like, I, I don't think he would ever be the issue on the offensive line, which is um, really good. And it's also good to have a backup like that. It's important because injuries do happen. Yeah. And uh, I, moving on to 
Go ahead. Go well, ahead. I was going to say, I, I mean, th- neither one of us say anything bad about Brewer because, I mean, I, I know that we've talked about it before that Brewer's look good when he's been put in before and he's much quicker than Levin for sure. But it, that's one of those scenarios where if Ben Jones gets hurt and they decide, okay, we're more comfortable, it, it helps everybody if we put Levin at left guard and if we put Brewer back at center for some snap, like that, I think they'd be just as comfortable with that. Like, and that kind of gives them more size there if that's what they want. But that that's the guy who should have been competing with Aaron Brewer. This whole, they shouldn't have brought in Jamarco Jones, especially now that he's been injured the entire training camp. Yeah, although it seems like they're trying to turn Dylan Radens into a left guard, but that might be a discussion for another time. Anyway, moving on to tackles, Radens is there, obviously, Taylor Luan, Nicholas Petit-Freer, who John Robinson confirmed is the starting right tackle. Uh, he confirmed it on the broadcast. And then Dennis Daly, who was brought in in a trade with the Ravens, I believe it was. I'm actually Panthers. not totally— Oh, it was the Panthers. Okay. Yeah. Love to get the Carolina Panthers uh, backup tackle. But actually, they do have good tackles. Uh, Taylor now, Matone. Yeah, now, and, that, now that they uh, – because they, they drafted Icky Aquano. Aquano, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, and he's fine. Like, if you if you see Dennis Daly on the field, you're in trouble. <laughs> like, that. that's not like – he's not – there's no scenario where Kendall Lamb, Kendall Lamb season. Yeah, Kendall. but like worse. Like I mean, like Bobby Hart kind of. Like he's he's not as he's not as bad as Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart just always looked like a guy who w- was from like what was it Bishop Gorman or whatever, where it was like uh, that may not be it. What was the fake school? Bishop that, uh, Bishop Sycamore Sycamore. Yes, thank you, uh, Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> like where it's just the, the BS high school um, where like, he looks like one of those guys where they're just like, yeah, this kid's got offers to Alabama and blah, blah, blah. And you look and it's just like a 30 year old guy out there. And it's like, it looks fine if he's going against high schoolers, but when you put him against Aaron Donald, it looks like what you would think would happen. So that's kind of what Bobby Hart is, but he's probably a step above that. But I, I mean, I've talked about this enough, but if they play him over Raidens at tackle because they want Raidens to learn guard, then the deal is they've just always wanted Raidens to be a guard. Like, I, I don't know why they they even played him at tackle this year, if that's a guy, because he's genuinely, like, Daly's genuinely pretty pretty bad. Like, I don't know what the deal is there. Maybe Keith Carter loved him coming out or something. I don't know, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what they their offensive line evaluation has been pretty piss poor for a long time now, where it's just you look at the last like they had Nate Davis and Jack Conklin early. Awesome. Then since then, it's been Isaiah Wilson, Dylan Radens, who they can't figure out as a tackle, not a guard. Uh, then they've had. uh, uh why is there somebody else that I'm blank? Oh, Nicholas Petitfer is good. That that's what I was gonna say. Is like, and then they kind of reestablished themselves when they got Nicholas Petitfer. But there was like a three year gap in there where they kind of lost their mind and forgot what they were looking for in offensive linemen. But I, like, I mean, like they I also said, started David Quesenberry instead of just bringing back Dennis Kelly if they didn't feel comfortable with Raidens. So there was that also. Yeah, like I, they, they've they've been very strange, and I don't. 
it, what the, what it looks like is it looks like they want to have all guards. Like they want to have 320 pound wide body guys who can't necessarily get to the second level. Like that, that's kind of what the majority of the pieces they brought in are like, they really don't, you know, for a team that has Dylan Radins and Aaron Brewer and Taylor Lewan and, uh, you know, a bunch of those other guys, like they don't really value athleticism. I, I don't, I can't understand. They really like Tyler Smith coming out of the draft, which, you know, the rumor was that if he would have fallen, that he would have been their second first round pick. If, but, uh, the Cowboys loved him and got him or whatever. And, blah 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 but i mean he's also very similar where it's like wide body good run blocker you know you can play him at tackler guard or whatever but he's kind of the same guy like don't let somebody get on the edge or he'll hold and you know i I don't know why they want that body type even though it's usually the body type that loses it's usually the jamarco joneses and those types of bodies that lose in these camp battles but for whatever reason, that's that's kind of the way they go. So we'll we'll see how that works out for him. The the good news is Nicholas Petit Frere looks good, and he's always been a good right tackle prospect. So it's good if you're going to play him at right tackle this year or next year, you might as well go ahead and start him now. Yeah, um, and just I I I'm not an O line expert in any way, and I don't know if Raiden can actually translate to left guard, but I on a couple of those plays um um in the game against the cardinals i thought it looked pretty good uh pulling and just getting out in space he's a really athletic guy so maybe he can make that transition but um we'll see uh moving on to the defense the titans are keeping for now seven defensive linemen jeffrey simmons Danico autry naquan jones demarcus walker kevin strong and deshaun hand uh, I think the only real surprising one here is Kevin Strong. Demarcus Walker and Deshaun Hand had really had really good preseasons. Naquan Jones was was great last year and kind of continued that uh, in the preseason as well. Um, but Kevin Strong, I, I I told Will before the pod, like I've never seen this guy play. I legitimately never noticed him uh, in any of the games. It turns out he's number 97. So I kind of maybe saw him at some point, but um, I don't know. Weird one there. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets uh, waived within the first couple of weeks. Yeah. He played three snaps in the second preseason game. And then I think uh, somebody commented on him in a press conference and um, said, you know, he looked good out there. And then Mike Vrabel said, well, he was barely out there. So I don't know how good of a look we could have gotten. And then he didn't play the next week. I thought he was cut for sure. Just because that sounds like a very Vrabel disappointed. I'm going to cut that guy. Like I'm done messing with him, but uh, I mean, apparently not. So uh, well, I don't, we'll see if he makes another practice squad or if they keep him and cut hand or, or whatever they do, but it's very strange. Yeah, I mean, he's 26 years old. I don't, I don't, I, I didn't understand this one. But like I said before, they're they're gonna turn the bottom of this roster for the first couple of weeks. I, I really wouldn't expect any of these bottom of the roster guys to stick for very long. Um, but anyway, moving forward uh, to linebackers. Well, not really. I hate it when they, <laughs> I hate it when they list edges as linebackers. So. The edges are Bud Dupree, Harold Landry, Rashad Weaver, and Ola Adani. For now, they're keeping four. 
Um, I thought they would keep five. I thought Adeni was going to make the team. I almost, like, I don't think Adeni is bad, but I almost would have rather kept Adeni over Adeni. What do you think? Uh, I, I don't know. Like, it, it, Ola Adeni, like, pretty much whenever he was on the field, like, you could see, like, there was a couple of plays that he made that were really good in the preseason, and he just didn't play as much as Weaver, which is why I think we didn't get to see him as much. Like, we didn't see as many, like, big plays. But I think, like, I think every, you know, I don't know if it's every year or whatever, but every now and then there's somebody on the team that Vrabel just sees himself in, and I think he sees himself in Ola, like a guy who started on special teams in Pittsburgh and uh, worked his way, like worked his way into a defensive role. Like, I mean, that's, that's what happened with Brable. So, you know, even down to the team. So I, I think that's, I think they share a kinship and I think they like, like Ola Daney's like personality. Like anytime you hear him talk, I mean, it's just like it, I, I mean, I really enjoy him as a person. So, and I'm not even around him. So, I imagine having him in the locker room and being around all, around him all the time, and you know, being a guy who will die on special teams and then give you a third down pass rush, like that's going to endear him to Vrabel. So, I, I, I don't, I don't think they would ever move on from him. Um, but you know, there's nothing that says that Anini couldn't be that guy, and he may be that guy for somebody else. Like. He may get, you know, picked up by the Jaguars and spend a year as a special teams guy there. And then next year he goes to the Vikings and, you know, has, a, you know, a six year career as a pass rush. Like, I mean, he, he's got the tools and he looks good. Like, I, I don't I don't know what they saw that they didn't like about him. But I mean, they liked him enough to pay him as their highest undrafted free agent in that class. And then he didn't make the team. So I. I'm not I'm not sure on the decision there, but if he's not on the practice squad, it should be because somebody else claimed him. Yeah, I, I think that's what's weird that they gave him all that guaranteed money as an undrafted free agent. He gets like three sacks in the preseason, does everything right, and then still doesn't make the team. So it seems like he'd never had much of a chance anyway. But I don't know. That's weird. Hopefully they could get him back on the practice squad. I don't think so. I think his performance in the preseason will have um, a team at least scoop him up, scoop him up off waivers. But um, we'll see what happens there. Um, now on to inside linebackers, we have Zach Cunningham, David Long Jr., Dylan Cole, and Chance Campbell. Jack Gibbons misses out, and then we also have Monty Rice, um, who's starting the season on pup. Um, I don't think any surprises here. Dylan Cole's a special teamer, so he was probably always going to make the team. Uh, Campbell improved after the first preseason game and just ended up beating out uh, Jack Gibbons in that competition. Yeah, pretty straightforward. I mean, we we know pretty much everything about the guys involved here because they were all here last year except for Campbell, and we got to see him a lot. And like you said, he it was rough in week one when he had to go against the heavy two tight end set in Baltimore, but uh, against the more traditional uh, uh, NFL team, like NFL offense in Tampa Bay and against the spread offense and uh, the Cardinals, like it, you know, he did, he did well enough. So yeah, I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't have kept him. So uh, that, that all checks. I, people like Gibbons a lot. I, I don't think there was any difference between Gibbons and Campbell, like in Campbell, you've already got on a rookie contract. So 
you know, he, he should be the guy you keep. So that that's a, that's a smart move to me. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think Campbell even gives you more upside for the future. I th- think he just has more tools to work with. Um, as for cornerbacks, the Titans are keeping six for now. Christian Fulton, Caleb Farley, Roger McCreary, Elijah Molden, Ugo Amadi, who they traded for, um, and Trey Avery. You talked a little bit about Trey Avery earlier. That was kind of a surprise. Um, I, I honestly, I, I have a funny kind of story about this. I remember I was watching the first preseason game, um, and I wrote to you and Luke in our in our Twitter group chat. Uh, number twenty three is really fast because he had a great kickoff return. I thought it was Trey Avery. It wasn't. It was Trenton Cannon because both of them were 23. So I really don't have any positive uh, feelings or vibes about Trey Avery. So um, that was a little bit of a weird one. I think Amadi was almost a lock to make the team because they traded for him. But I don't know if these guys are going to last very long either. Yeah, like uh, Avery is another weird one that I like. Avery Strong and uh, Chestnut are probably the guys that I'm just not confused, but I just I look at it and I'm like, one of these things is not like the other. Like these guys are not as good as the other guys. So you know, like that, whether they get replaced or whether they're game day scratches or whether there's some hyper specific niche that they have that they want to use them in, okay. But hopefully we don't have to ever learn their numbers because they're never on the field a lot. Um, I mean, like it, I, I think uh, Amadi will be fine. Like I don't, I don't know. I think they wanted somebody who could play in the slot, uh, but they wanted they they didn't have that in Theo Jackson just because they've got Elijah Molden, which is good, but I think there's a chance that they are going to want Roger McCreary to just be the boundary corner. Like I know right now that with what we've seen is them using McCreary as uh, one boundary and then, uh, sorry. Yeah. As using McCreary as one boundary and then Fulton is the other boundary. Then on, uh, in their nickel package, McCreary goes inside in the slot and Caleb Farley comes in as the, uh, the boundary opposite Fulton. And that's what they've used, but they may not, I mean, they may not want that. They may want Farley to be the, the backup, you know, boundary corner just because the other two are so good and then have Molden as the slot specialist or whatever. That way they don't have to change and move around and teach a rookie two you know, different ways to play in that scheme. And the best way to do that is to get another slot corner who knows what to do, but uh, other than that, I, I don't. I don't think we should look too much into him. But I, I, like I said, I think that was the driving force behind that trade. Yep. And then closing out with safety for the defense, they obviously kept Kevin Byard, uh, Monty Hooker, and Lonnie Johnson, Joshua Kalu, and AJ Moore. AJ Moore's just a special teamer. Um, Kalu is good on special teams, but showed he could still play safety um, with a really good preseason. Um, and then Lonnie Johnson just came in and played well. Uh, and it seems like they like these safeties who can also play cornerback because Lonnie Johnson and Kalu are pretty much were cornerbacks and are kind of transitioning to, to more of a safety role. So um, definitely interesting there. Yeah, like 
people have thought maybe that's what'll happen to Molden at some point. That's, you know, that's what Hooker came into the league is that like, like you said, Lonnie Johnson's that way. Like Chris Jackson was kind of that way where it, it looked like they might've been playing him more at safety. Some like that, that is kind of an archetype that they like. So, uh, I mean, I know Vrabel came in talking about, you have to do like specific things well, instead of doing a bunch of things, it, because malarkey was big on versatility and so i remember when Vrabel came in it was like oh this guy doesn't he didn't just want versatility like malarkey did because he wants guys who do their job well and that's true but we have also kind of fallen back into that the depth of your roster is you know we're going to get guys who the buzzword on them is their versatility so we'll see how that goes but this i mean anytime you've got you know kevin byard namani hooker you're fine like you can play around with the guys behind them and do whatever you want with it. Like that, that that'll be okay. Like you, you don't, you don't have to press too much on that. No, they really don't. Um, man, that safety pairing is just incredible. Um, and then rounding out the team is the long snapper, Morgan Cox kicker, Randy Bullock and punter, Ryan Stonehouse, who we talked a little bit about earlier, um, who's coming in and replacing Kern. So that'll do it for the roster. Uh, when we come back from our ad break, we will do uh, a little mini game with over unders for the upcoming season. So stay tuned after the ad break. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. So uh, before we started recording, Will thought it would be a fun idea to take a look at over-unders for each team um, in the NFL. Um, And then we kind of do a draft and we each pick 10 teams. Um, Yeah, right? Is that it, Will, if you want to explain it better than me since I didn't even know what this was? So I, I basically stole this idea, and I've been trying to do it for a few years. Uh, I stole this idea from Amir Blumenfeld and the Buckets podcast, which everybody should go listen to. And they have a group of guys that uh, for years have taken the Vegas odds on the over-under right before the season. And they there's like a $20 buy-in from everybody, and you draft – 10 over whatever it is and you you're basically trying to beat vegas so for example if if the jaguars were listed at an over under of three wins obviously you take the under because it's jacksonville and when when they go one and 16 you're you get two points because you're two better than their projection so you do that and then the winner gets the pot and you know that it gets you know, to make fun of the other one for a long time. So I, I've been wanting to do this for a while just because there's so many obviously bad bet. Like there's so many win loss totals that look so stupid uh, on the board. And it's good to kind of say like, okay, I had this as evidence of me being so down or so high on a team before Vegas was. And if you're right, great. You can point back to it. And if you're not, well, then may, maybe you're wrong. So I, I've always enjoyed that, and I, they do it with basketball, and I've always wanted to do something like that with football, and I think this is a very fun idea. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm going to let Matias pick first just because uh, if there's one that sticks out to him, I want him to have the chance to get it, and I don't want to go ahead and take that from him since I'm kind of forcing the game on him. 
that is very nice of you. I was going to let you go first, but I will gladly uh, take that opportunity. Um, I think the one that sticks out to me the most is the Steelers at seven and a half. Um, I mean, they won nine games last year. They tied one with Ben Roethlisberger, who was just so very clearly out. Apparently, he was calling his own plays, wouldn't even go under center because he didn't want to he didn't want to drop back from there. So Matt Canada had no chance to even call uh, the offense that he actually wanted to. Uh, they still have a really solid defense. Mike Tomlin, even though Mike Tomlin is going to be part of my stop the nonsense, I still think he's a very good coach. Um, and I can easily see them winning more than, you know, eight or more games, um, especially when you consider that they, they're going to play the Browns twice. I think one time with Jacoby Brissett, I assume. Um, and then, yeah, like, I, I just think they're a really solid team and I think that's a low number for them. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I, I, I won't tell you whether I had higher or lower on that because, uh, for the record, if I wanted to take the lower, even if I want to take the under after he had took the over, I can still do that. Just, just so everybody knows, um, including Matias. Uh, to me, I, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is because I've talked about it forever. The Colts are at ten and a half, and it is baffling to me to think that the Colts could win eleven games. I, I don't think they win double digits. I don't think they get to 500. I think they are destined for an implosion. And when your your star linebacker has got back injuries and on pup, and he's off pup now, but he hadn't practiced at all during the, the preseason, and that's a nightmare. And then you've got an old quarterback who you know doesn't have a reliable left tackle, and your best player is a guard and a running back like that that just spells trouble for me. So I'm going to go ahead and say the under on 10 and a half wins for the Colts is my first pick. Yeah, that, that's a lofty number. Um, and I did see on bet MGM that they're actually the favorites to win the AFC South. Absolutely classic Colts hype. Um, I also saw an interesting because like I, I got the game wrong initially and I sent you um, just odds yeah. that I thought uh, were interesting to pick. Um, and one of them was the Titans finishing first in the AFC South, Texans finishing second. Uh, you get pretty good odds on that. And I don't think it's a terrible bet. Um, well, but yeah, I don't know. That's for another time to discuss and possibly another podcast. Davis Mills looks good. I mean, Davis Mills looks solid. But yeah, I think the Texans are going to be probably better than than most people think. Um, They might be one of my picks here, actually. But before I pick the Texans as one of my picks, possibly, uh, I'm going to go with the over on the Atlanta Falcons. Um, They're at four and a half wins right now. That was one of Um, them, yeah. Yeah, I that's too low. Like, yeah, they have to play the Panthers. Um, the Saints are kind of I don't know. They're switching coaches. Um, Jameis kind of implodes sometimes. Um, and the NFC just isn't very good overall. Um, Arthur Smith, I think, is a smart coach. I think Mariota looked amazing in the preseason. Um, I don't know if they'll carry over to the regular season, but I think he'll be just as good, if not better, as Matt Ryan was uh, last year. Kyle Pitts is set for just a huge season um and i think they're okay like i don't think they're gonna win less than i don't think they're gonna win four less games i think that's crazy especially when you consider uh it's a 17 game season yeah and for all the talk about you know arthur smith not having to worry about his job or anything like that like you kind of worry if 
Ritter doesn't develop a little behind the scenes and if, you know, Mario gets hurt and Ritter gets put in there early and you have another bad season, like, you know, no coach is going to, or no owner is going to fire their coach until it comes time to fire their coach. So, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I think they have to be concerned about. So I, I think they'll be motivated to win more too and more than people think. Um, Mine is, uh, sorry, my next one is the Cincinnati Bengals over 9.5. So they're at nine and a half right now. And I don't think they're in a tough division. I think they've easily got the best quarterback and skill position talent in that division. I, I mean, maybe they regress, but they've completely retooled their offensive line I mean, they didn't really lose anybody except for a tight end. Like, I, I don't. I mean, they get. Uh, they got the, Hurst though. They got Hayden yeah, Hurst. Yeah, that's right. Just yeah. as good as C.J. Uzoma. Yeah, and and they got um, Osa, which is their uh, pick from Texas. I think he's back this year after getting hurt last year in camp, and that they're doing some cool stuff with him. And like, I like, I just don't know why you'd be down on. I, now I don't know if they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but. I think they'll be an over 500 team in a, a pretty mediocre division. So I, I'm going to take the over for the Bengals at nine and a half. Yeah, they legitimately have only gotten better. And that's after a season where they made the Super Bowl. Um, and after Burrow started the season, like still recovering from his ACL tear. Um, and they were going pretty vanilla on offense and kind of easing him in. So, yeah, I, I, I could definitely see them going over pretty easily there. Um, my next pick, I'm going to stick in the division, actually. I'm going to go under on the Browns at eight and a half. I, I mean, yep. this team is, they're not good. I, I don't, there's theres nothing redeeming about them, and that's not even when you consider that they paid Deshaun Watson all that money, who's a terrible person. Um, and now Jacoby Brissett, Brissett is their quarterback. I he, He's so mid, like he is so average. Yep even below average, really. Um, I don't think their receivers are all that good after Amari Cooper. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones is their, um, is their number two. David Njoku is a pretty good tight end, and, and Nick Chubb is obviously a great running back, but what does a great running back really do for you um, in today's NFL? So I don't, I don't see it. I don't think they're going to win a lot of games. I think they're going to be pretty bad. Um, and I'm hoping Baker Mayfield comes in there week one and crushes them like the Titans did a couple of years ago. Yeah, I also think the vibes are going to be really weird there. Like, it, you know, it's Cleveland versus the world until you're one and three. And then it's kind of like Cleveland versus Cleveland. I mean, you know, there's a, like it's great to have the guy you think is your franchise quarterback, but that's a pretty big cloud to loom, loom over your head. And there's got to be some guys in that locker room that don't agree with you, with that decision and who aren't happy. And then they're not going to want to treat him as the savior when he comes back. And, you know, by the time he, you know, he's missing 11 games, like how much can he do in that light? You know, who's healthy. Uh, there's so many questions. So, that's 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 a really good pick. That was going to be my next one if uh, you didn't pick it, just because I, I I try to convince myself that they're going to be good with Garrett and with those weapons and everything. But I mean, we saw him with uh, Mayfield last year as an average quarterback, and they had Odell and Landry, and they couldn't make it work. Like 
I, I don't know why we think it's going to be better with Jacoby Brissett and uh, Cooper, but um, so I'll, I'll go ahead with my next one. My next one is the Bucks under 11 and a half. They're on, I think they're on their backup left guard, I want to say, wherever Stenny was competing for a job. They've lost uh, Ryan Jensen to IR. Then Tristan Wirfs has been injured throughout camp. Uh, Godwin, I think, is injured uh, still, like is still coming back from whatever he was dealing with, which I think might have been torn ACL. Um, you know, Mike Evans is great, but we've seen Mike Evans be great forever and it hadn't always meant good, you know, good production for the team that people forget. They don't have Jason Pierre Paul anymore. Like it's, it's not like they're still the same, like aggressive front four that wins a lot and then is going to dominate. Like their defensive backs look like they can be had. They've got Levante David and, you know, it's good to have linebackers, but it's probably the, you know, that and a run stuffing defense nose tackle, like, that that's not not going to do much for you. Then I, I don't know. Tom Brady also retired and just missed like a half of training camp in the middle. And his excuses, everything is fine. Don't worry about it. Like I mean, I, I'm not saying he's not. Did you see in. that? Did you see the press conference where he looked just completely defeated? Yeah, like, yeah. is he, he okay? <laughs> yeah, he like everything about him is weird right now. And like. For a guy who used to never let anybody take his like snaps, like with the first team offense, to like basically skipping out of training camp and you know dipping after he already retired once, like I mean, there's a real chance that this banged up offensive line that he gets hit a lot early and just doesn't pack it in, but just doesn't quite have the same drive to overcome and win. So. I don't. I don't know. I've got. I've got a, a feeling this is going to be a pretty disappointing year for the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I think they're so talented that I think they could get. Plus, the NFC is 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 pretty poor um, in general. Uh, so I think they could get over. But yeah, the interior offensive line is a serious issue, especially for Brady, who like he can't really move. Like he moves in the pocket, but that's about it. And if he doesn't have perfect protection. Um, it can fall apart pretty easily. So um, I do think that's a good pick. That's a high number, even though, you know, they're super talented. Uh, for my next pick, I'm kind of struggling here um, because th some of these lines are, are pretty, uh, pretty spot on. But I'm going to go ahead and go with the over on the Carolina Panthers at six and a half. Um, I, I believe in Baker Mayfield. Maybe I'm crazy. I think he's going to be really good um, on this team. They're not super talented, but they have some interesting pieces. Christian McCaffrey, obviously a stud, and if he stays healthy, he's going to crush. DJ Moore is one of my favorite receivers uh, in the league. Robbie Anderson is still a really good deep threat, and I think he can mesh well with Baker Mayfield. The only thing that, that kind of worries me is Matt Rule. I think he's a terrible coach, but I think they're talented enough on both sides of the ball. Um, especially if J.C. Horn comes back and is the stud cornerback that we think he could be. Um, I think they could definitely uh, go over on this. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good pick. Like like you said, like the, the biggest concern to me isn't really the roster they have. It's the, the coaching. Like, 
I just Matt don't Coach, think yeah something like, is up with him, man. <laughs> he like it's like he he's almost shocked that he convinced the ownership to come back another year. Like it it's it it just it all feels weird. Um, and then he kind of like had his plan like after the draft. And he's like, oh, okay, well, why don't we trade for Baker Mayfield? Like he did, like he expected to be fired. It's, it's a very weird situation there. Um, so th- this this my next pick is sort of counterintuitive to everything we know and all the uh, common sense that we have. But I'm going to take the Patriots under uh, eight and a half. Because in large part, they seem to be splitting their uh, offensive play calls between their special teams coach, Joe Judge. I think he's a special teams coach. Maybe he's got another title now. And uh, uh, Matt Patricia, who was a defensive coordinator, who was great. And then a terrible head coach. (laughs) Yeah. And like Mac Jones has looked fine, I guess is a nice way to put it. No. Like, no, no, he's terrible. He's he's not good, man. I'm just like, gonna come out and say it. It's it's very weird, and it's like John who's doing good, cool. Hunter Henry's been banged up, but then it's like, like I don't I don't know what else they have. Like I, I don't know how they're gonna score a lot of points unless he's basically dragging them there. And then defensively, like they're they're fine and they'll be well coached. But I mean, the Jets look promising. The Bills, everybody thinks the Bills are gonna win a Super Bowl. Um, the Dolphins added a ton of talent. Like they, it's not, it's not just a cakewalk of a division anymore. And I believe they had the second best record. Um, yeah, second best record, surely, uh, in the uh, AFC East, which means they're going to have a pretty difficult schedule over the course of the season. So I, I'm going to go ahead and just assume that letting a defensive play caller call plays for your second year quarterback after he had Josh McDaniels is going to have a negative impact. Yeah, I have no idea what they're thinking with Matt Patricia. Like, I, that guy is just not fit to be a coach, really. But if anything, a defensive coach, and now they're yeah. making him an offensive coach, even though, they're, like, he has no idea how to call play. Like, I don't I don't understand what they're doing. Um, I, Mac Jones has looked pretty terrible in the preseason when I've seen him. He threw one of the worst interceptions uh, I think I've ever seen. Um, and I don't think he's all that great. Like, I think... He got super overhyped last year, even though the defense was carrying them um, to most wins, and so was Damian Harris, who scored like 15 touchdowns. So, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they really they really fall apart this year. Um, I'm going to go with some of these six-and-a-half numbers. I, I kind of want to go under on. I feel like you're going to pick the Jaguars, so I'm going to go <laughs> for another six-and-a-half team. Um, the New York Giants. I, that was what I was going to pick next. I was yeah. picking I almost picked it last time, but it's such a low number. But yeah, go ahead. It is a low number, and I really like Brian Dable. I think he's an outstanding play caller. But I am getting just really bad vibes about this team. And I don't know if you've seen any of the reports um, on Kenny Galladay, who's literally just walking through practice, yeah. walking through preseason games. Um, and when the guy you spent $70 million on or whatever it was um, is doing that, it just sets a really bad example for, for everyone, really. And then Kadarius Tony is already injured. They just lost Colin Johnson um, to torn Achilles. Saquon can never really stay healthy. Um, their O-line isn't 
terrible. They did get Evan Neal, but Andrew Thomas is still a work in progress. The interior isn't isn't great. And then on defense, they're fine, but I I don't really see any playmakers here except for you know Leonard Williams. Maybe Thibodeau could be that guy, but he's also uh, he coming off a sprained MCL that he just got in the preseason. So man, I I could see this team again winning four. Uh, games maybe five but I don't see them getting to seven given everything that's going on with them yeah like I I don't think they win a single game in the NFC East like I think Washington sweeps them I think Dallas sweeps them I think Philly sweeps them like I just I don't like I I don't know like even their best player you know if, if everything goes right their best players are Saquon Barkley and Evan Neal just just in terms of the I think the talent level there. And I mean, I guess Leonard Williams should be in that conversation too, but it's like, I mean, okay, but Daniel Jones is going to fumble the ball or throw an interception one and a half times a game. Like, are they, you know, the games they win are like 14 point game. Like, I don't think a change in coaching is going to fix that instantly, especially with a guy who the, you know, you're going from having, Josh Allen is your quarterback who can, you know, run headfirst into a linebacker and you never have to worry about the ball. I mean, there's a chance that, that, uh, I blanked on the quarterback's name after I just said it, uh, that, uh, Daniel Jones could just sneeze too hard and like fumble the ball. Like, I mean, he's just, he's awful. So yeah, that's, that's a really good pick. That, man, I was going to pick that one next. Um, Okay. I'll, I'll go uh, ultra negative with my next pick and say uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they're at 10 and a half, and I'm going to go under that because the Jimmy Garoppolo news that they're not trading Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't have bumped me, except that every beat writer or people that have watched say, oh, that's not good for Trey Lance. Everyone, every single <laughs> one. Like, that's not what you want to hear. So it like, Trey Lance will still be the starter, I think, but the fact that they felt so worried about his confidence level that they were like, oh no, well, this is going to really hinder him. It's like, he's like, people cheered Trey Lance from the background for an entire year when Jimmy Garoppolo was fine and they did great. It's like, is there a reason why he's not going to be able to work with Brandon Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel and all them? And so it's like, like that that's a weird situation too and it's not that they're bad it's just that it's gonna it's hard to play the rams like i think they i think they beat the rams every time or whatever but there's a weird thing like a weird kind of like worst beats best rock paper scissors thing there where it's like i think they always lose to the cardinals or something weird like that and then they've got to play seattle which is obviously bad but it's a hard place to play like even your bad teams are in a hard like i Man, I just I don't know. There, there's a lot to freak me out there and make me want to think that they're going to have a bad season. Yeah, um, that one's tough because they were really good towards the end of the season last year and especially in the playoffs. Um, and I do think Trey Lance could be really exciting. Um, but yeah, that dynamic is super weird with Garoppolo. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know how either of them uh, is going to respond to that. Um, so I think that's a good call. Um I did mention the Jaguars, and I am going to pick them here. Uh, I'm going under. Um, they're getting hyped up again by the national media. I don't know what's going yep. on. Um, everyone is saying that Trevor Lawrence is going to take a huge leap in his second year. 
that may be true. That may be true, but he looked really bad last year. Granted, it was Urban Meyer, um, and Doug Peterson is a much smarter coach, but I saw enough flaws last year to make me believe that it's going to take a little while for him. Um, I don't think their roster is very talented. Um, they did add a couple of players, but, I mean, Chris and Kirk is just fine. It's not like they added, you know, an alpha number one receiver. Um, so, I don't know. I, I don't think this team is very talented, um, and I think they're going to go through some growing pains uh, with a new coach and with Trevor Lawrence in his second year. Well, like, we we don't talk enough about how terrible well, – I mean, we do – about how terrible Trevor uh, Lawrence was, like – Last year, he had an eight-game stretch where he threw one touchdown and eight interceptions. Like, he threw one touchdown and eight interceptions. Like, <laughs> Urban Meyer, though. Urban Meyer, though. Yeah, it's like, I mean, everybody says, like, if you were behind an NFL line, do you think you could run for 10 yards on 100 carries? I don't know, but I know I could not throw eight interceptions. I mean, like, I, I don't I don't know that I'd complete any passes, but I know I wouldn't throw any interceptions. <laughs> so it's like he can and we saw it firsthand when he threw four and one half against the Titans. Like and this was the Titans weren't even doing anything that like he threw one of them to Jayon Brown and one of them to Rashawn Evans. Like, I, I mean, I, if those guys are picking you off, that's not a oh, well, you just got out schemed. That's a you're bad at your job. Um, So, yeah, that's. That's one that I, the number was so low that I was afraid to make all my picks in the AFC South. But uh, yeah, that that one that one stuck out as is one that I might have gambled on. Um, I will stay in the AFC South though, since you took that burden from me, and I'll take the Titans over eight and a half. Like yeah, I'll take that half. one at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's like it. It seems like such a homer pick that it's you know it's it's always hard to evaluate in these situations when you look at these other teams and I just can't see a scenario where they win eight games. I mean, is this the worst roster that the Titans have had since John Robinson's been the general manager? No, like, no. Or is the AFC South stronger than it's been since John Robinson's been the general manager? No. I mean, like when he, when John Robinson took over the Titans, people forget that, uh, the Jaguars were going to the AFC championship game that uh, the Texans had Deshaun Watson and before all his stuff and the Colts had Andrew Luck. Like, uh, I mean, and he still had a nine and seven season and only had winning seasons. So, you know, and that, you know, and now Derek Henry is back and they, you know, they're deeper than they've been in a long time. They have, a veteran quarterback who knows what he's supposed to do. Who, I mean, I just don't, I mean, y'all know what the Titans are. Like, I just, I can't imagine them winning eight or fewer games. I can't either. It hasn't happened with Mike Rabel, who is literally was the coach of the year last year um, with, I would say a worse roster. Uh, like the Titans roster has not gotten worse. I think it's gotten better actually. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that, that's, a, that's an easy pick. I, I would have picked that one too. Um, my turn to pick, I have a couple of options here. I'm going to go with the under on the Minnesota Vikings. For some reason, they're also getting hyped up. Um, I don't know why I like I, their GM is kind of, I don't know. I, I don't think he's very smart. They had a really poor draft in my opinion. Uh, they just cut a bunch of players from the 2021 draft, uh, with Rick Spielman. 
um, they're still kind of, you know, <laughs> going through that, which they haven't drafted well over the last couple of seasons, except for Justin Jefferson, of course. Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback. They have a new coach coming in who theoretically should be better for the offense, but their offense like wasn't awful the last couple of seasons. And I just think Kirk Cousins' ceiling is capped, and they don't have a lot of good pieces on defense. Their defense has really struggled over the past couple of seasons, and they haven't really added – uh, too much to it so I don't I, I just don't see them getting to 10 wins I think that's way too lofty um, I will say their division isn't terribly difficult but I mean I think the lines are going to be improved and I think they could give them some pretty tough games in those two um, and I just I, I don't like the Vikings in general yeah I, I like I, I don't know many people that can name a bunch of good players on uh, the Vikings without using skill position talent, because it's like their defensive line is not nearly what it used to be. Their offensive line is not nearly what it, it really barely ever was. Like it, people think about the wide receivers and think about Thielen and Jefferson, but it's like, I, I mean, Kirk cousins is, is fine. Like you said, but like fine is not, nine and a half wins like fine is eight wins or if you don't have a bunch of surrounding talent on the lines and all that like i don't know like i think they just want to be a running team and i don't think they have a bunch of good run blockers uh, so I, I don't know that I, I think that's a good pick it's very strange the outlook on them um all right i'll go ahead with my next one so i'm going to pick the ravens minus uh, under uh, i keep saying minus under 10 a uh, 10 and a half like I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson is going to tank this season, but he's out there liking pictures of uh, Miami photoshops of him in a Dolphins uniform. He's like, people are talking about his, you know, the contracts he's been offered and he's saying like, that's not what they offered me. He said that if a deal didn't get done by the end of training camp, that he wasn't going to sign a new deal. And it's like, I, I see him completely going full like I'm gonna win the MVP for myself and that if y'all think I'm just a guy who's benefiting from you and this is a fair argument for him if he if he says you know you think I'm a guy that's just benefiting from the things that you can do okay I'm gonna put I'm gonna make my you know my box score so high that if you want to replace me fine but understand that you better be able to replace this with whoever replaces me otherwise you know, everybody's going to say you were wrong. and I'm going to go do this for a different team and make you look stupid. And I don't think, I mean, I think he's just going to go into business for himself on a lot of plays. And if they're not going to pay you the money, then go ahead. Like, I mean, I, I, I think that's a fine thing to do, but on top of that, I think he's going to have to run a lot more like Ronnie Stanley's back. But I think it's like the first time in like a year he's been able to practice really. Um, and that that's, good theoretically but we'll see how he holds up like i i think i think mark andrews is one of the most underrated like offensive players in the league but i don't i'm not impressed by any of their wide receivers their defense i think is toothless for the most part like i think they have a couple of defensive backs but that defensive back group is not the young defensive back group that everybody remembers when the ravens got the one seed like they're getting older and uh, they're just not the same guys so i think that in a division where 
the Bengals should win going away and where you're always going to have to play the Steelers tough just because they always play each other tough. Like, I, I don't know that I can make 11 wins happen in my mind. I don't either. They seem like a good but not great team, and I think 11 wins is is too much for them, especially in the AFC, which is always – uh, which is just a stacked division, a stacked conference, really. Um, so we're going to do one more each as we're running a little long on time uh, in this episode. I'm kind of struggling here. I don't know whether to pick the over on the Dolphins or the over on the Eagles. Um, I know we hate the Eagles because of A.J. Brown and everything, but, oh, man, 10 wins is is a lot though i'm gonna go with the dolphins i'm gonna go with the over on the dolphins um i really like what's going on there they added tyreek Jalen waddle looks like an ascending star uh mike mcdaniel has gotten to it to look really comfortable within his offense already um i like that they brought in chase edmonds and they already have a really strong stout defense um and the fact that they played the jets twice um, and the Patriots, who they always beat in Miami, and like you said earlier, the Patriots could possibly, you know, fall off a cliff this year. So um, I think they're in good shape within that division. Obviously, the Bills are probably going to win it, but I could see the Dolphins easily getting to to nine wins or more and, and making a wild card spot. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense to me. Um, my two that I'm torn between are the Las Vegas over and uh, the lines under, because I think, I think everybody forgets that the lines suck and they're, I mean, they're probably the second worst team in their division, but they, you know, the worst team in their division is the bears. I mean, like seven wins for the Lions would be a great season for that. Like, I don't think, I don't think the minds are there in their coaching. So I'm going to go ahead and pick that. So I'm going to pick the lines under uh, six and a half, and I'm going to do that because I think that Dan Campbell is a very fun story of uh, like a rah rah, like I'm going to like get the troops hyped up kind of guy. But I don't, I don't know, I don't get the vibe from him that I'm like that's a guy who I want designing the plays. Like he should to me, he's kind of like Mike Munchak. Like, it's like, I don't trust, like, if there's great minds around him and he's the leader, okay, like, I, I can, I can go with that, but I just don't, I don't know, and then you've got Jared Goff as the quarterback, who, whether you want to say it or not, you basically got paid to take off of it, the the hands of the Rams, like, you know, they, they did everything they could to incentivize you and do that, he knows that, you know that, the fans know that, like, they're looking to the future and they know that he's not the quarterback of the future, like, you know, Jamison Williams has a torn ACL and he's supposed to come back and that, that might be good, but it's going to be hard for him to be anywhere near a hundred percent in terms of speed. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, it does not feel like a team that's going to win very many games next year. Yeah. I mean, I think they will be okay, but I don't think they made enough moves to have them with four more wins than last year. Like they competed in a lot of games last year, but they ended up only winning three of them. So I don't know how much room for improvement there, there really is there. Um, and you said the Raiders earlier. I just wanted to touch on that division. I did, I did not touch that division because I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen in that division. I could see honestly, any of those teams 
winning it. I think the Chiefs are probably the best one, but the Chargers are super talented. Justin Herbert is a star. Um, and then the Broncos, who already had a great stable of offensive weapons and a really good defense, just added Russell Wilson. And the Raiders just added Devontae Adams. Like, I have no idea what is going to happen there. And honestly, nothing would surprise me. So I just avoided it completely. Yeah, that you know, it, it was it was a really tough one to look at because on paper, they're the, they're the value play because they've got so many weapons on offense. And they've got Max Crosby on defense. It's like, you know, it's like you you can find and like you can look at how they played the Chargers and like uh, they beat the Chargers on uh, in a game where it was basically like win you know, win or go home and they beat the Chargers. So, I mean, I, I don't know, like I, that, that it was hard. But, yeah, it's like any team that's got to play that schedule. You just you can't feel comfortable taking the over because you're getting no free games. Yeah, Um the Titans play play that division this year, don't they? Oh man, um, I hate that. But anyway, uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up with stop the nonsense. Uh, Will, do you want to go first? Yeah, mine's mine's kind of an old an oldie but a goodie. Like it's that somebody said today, and I'm, I'm not even gonna look up their name because it's burned in my head. Uh, they quote tweeted the. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick cut and they were like it's official John Robinson is the new Rustin Webster and y'all you like you don't have to listen to this podcast for a long time to know my my feelings on John Robinson and him versus the other talent but I'll say it again for the record John Robinson has had a draft where he drafted three all pros and that was his first draft then he had a draft where he drafted Jeffrey Simmons, who will be an All-Pro, A.J. Brown, who could be an All-Pro, and then he also drafted Nate Davis, uh, uh, David Long, and Amani Hooker, and like, I, I, like I don't, I like, he has great draft classes, and then he has okay, solid draft classes, and if you get three, you know, starters and a Pro Bowler in every class. You'll never be out of. I mean, you'll you'll always have a job because that's so far above, you know what what the median is for draft classes. That if you can do that, great. And and he's done that and beyond. And you know, okay, the Des Fitzpatrick, you know, that was a bad pick. Like we all we all know that at this point. But at the same time, we're staring at a draft class where he got Traylon Burks, Roger McCreary. Uh, Nicholas Petit Frere, Malik Willis, uh, Kyle Phillips, Chickaconquo, like all these guys who uh, not only look like the most accomplished group of rookies they've had, but also seem like they have more upside than uh, you know, almost any other rookie class has looked like when they've walked through the door. So to be the one seed, first of all, it takes a good team, but to be the one seed and then load up and have more rookies on your team than you've ever had before is a pretty strong indication that you're going in the right direction. But it's so frustrating to me when people do that. But for all the people who are echoing that, or if you're just the vocal minority, just understand that that is an absolutely moronic take and it will get you blocked or muted on my timeline quick. Yeah, I think (laughs) drafting is hard, man. Like, uh, what is the hit rate yeah. for any normal general manager, you know? 
Um, that's not like what was the guy on the Aussie Newsom uh, of the Ravens who just crushed every single draft. Um, but that's like he's like one in a million, you know. Like go, go look at Chris Ballard's drafts uh, over the past couple of seasons. How's uh, Kamoko Ture doing? Who just got cut by the 49ers um, or some of these other guys that he's drafted? Every single general manager like is 50-50 at best with drafting actually good players. Like, yeah, John Robinson has had some duds. He's also had some incredible picks. Like, it's okay. It happens to pretty much every GM. If anything, he's above average at drafting. Yeah. I mean, Ballard Ballard traded a first-round pick for Carson Wentz, and then everybody was so (laughs) – everybody was falling over themselves backwards to talk about how smart he was to get rid of Carson Wentz the next year. I'm like, you – like, uh, it's just – it's wild to me. But, yeah, that's that's mine. And, and like, the Desmond Patrick thing, like, yes, that that was a terrible pick. Um, I think everyone pretty much agreed with it at the time, and most of us wanted a Monroe St. Brown who – for now, it's only been a year. He looks really good, looks really solid. Um, but it was a fourth-round pick. It's it's not like this was a first-rounder, like, okay, the Isaiah Wilson thing um, sucked, but it's not like we traded up to draft this Fitzpatrick in the first round or anything. Like, the fourth round, yes, you can get good players, but most of the time, they're not going to be very good. And unfortunately, Des Fitzpatrick wasn't, but... It happens, man. You guys, you guys need to relax and, and, and realize that it's it's very much a crapshoot in terms of whether draft picks um, do well or not. So I'm gonna wrap up with my stop the nonsense. Uh, I had two. Uh, I, I'm only gonna stick with one though. The other one was like a Cynthia uh, Freeland from NFL Network thing. I don't know if you saw, but Cleveland Browns uh, fans have just been attacking her relentlessly. Um, because I, I don't know. She said something about Baker Mayfield, um, like being pro Baker Mayfield and wanting him to win, uh, in week one, because that's, that's, oh my God, why would they, why would she cheer against my team? Yeah. Your amazing Cleveland Browns team that, that signed to Sean Watson. But anyway, I, I, I don't want to talk about that. I do want to talk about Mike Tomlin, who I did say was a great coach earlier in this, uh, podcast episode, which is true. But uh, in the final preseason game, he made a couple of decisions that I I, I don't know uh, what he was thinking. So he played. Um, Deontay Johnson got injured. That was fine uh, on a catch because he was really just playing the, fir- the first quarter. It happened within the first uh, couple of drives. So that was OK. Like, I don't think there's anything to get uh, mad about him about that. But. TJ Watt and Najee Harris were playing into the second quarter, like late second quarter uh, of the final preseason game. TJ Watt gets his knee injured, I think it was, or had like a little leg injury. Why would you yeah. put the defensive player of the year at risk? At risk. He has nothing to learn, literally nothing else to learn. He's an edge. It's not like he has to learn the scheme, a new scheme or anything. Um, that just made absolutely no sense to me. And the Najee one, like you just gave this guy 300 touches after drafting him in the first round, um, last year. And then a couple days later, we no, a day later, we find out that Najee Harris had a Liz Frank sprain all of training camp for like the past four weeks. And you're out here putting him for hits, um, and, and getting him meaningless touches in the final preseason game. Like that made absolutely no sense to me. Um, 
and I, I just I, I don't know. Like he he got a ton of backlash, and I think it's very warranted. Yeah, like it's not like he's in his first or second year. Like he's almost twenty eight years old. Like you you know you don't need a guy who's closer to 30 than he is to 24 like you don't need that guy out there taking snaps like he like you said he knows what to do and the problem is how he plays like he plays so downhill and like he tries to make so many plays like from the backside that you know exactly what happened to him is going to happen to him where somebody's going to come across formation and hit him low like same thing that happened to Thibodeau and it's just like I mean, I don't know how, like, there were warning signs not to do that, and they did it anyway. And, you know, luckily for the Steelers, he wasn't hurt. But, yeah, like, the whole, that old school mentality or whatever, like, that's that's fine. Like, I mean, for some guys it works, but you do have to understand that if you do it for, you know, for 10 years, eventually one of your starters that's important is going to get hurt, and then everybody is going to have all eyes on you. So unless you think it makes a real, like, marked, like, clear difference don't do it like it's just not worth like it's not worth the hassle it's not worth the headache and you're not getting the juice for the squeeze yeah just zero upside um to those decisions particularly the tj Watt one like that that one just just makes absolutely no sense but um anyway that's gonna do it for us for this episode we'll be back next week to recap not recap to preview uh the titans first regular season game that is crazy to think about after uh, what a long summer it's been. But football is finally back, and we'll be here to preview the opener. So for Will, for Matias, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And we'll remember to always stop the nonsense. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.